Happy Easter, everyone. I'm so glad that you decided to take some time out of your day to worship the risen Christ with us here at Nova. Now, some of you already know it. The early church had a common greeting with a callback, and so let's practice it right now. Ready? He is risen. He is risen indeed. And I think that some of you say Jesus is risen, but you really, I don't know if you really believe it. So we put this church saying and the Easter holiday into a category, something that you do like dressing up and going to church or visiting the Easter bunny or uh, doing Easter egg hunts, but you really don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now this Easter is very different in the time of a pandemic. And I've been thinking it's been a remarkable thing in the last four weeks. And we've learned a lot of things. The first thing we learned is the church is so adaptable. Maybe you thought that most churches were traditional or stuck in the past or inflexible or rigid or resistant to change. But what we have seen in the past month is that churches have hit the pause button on public gatherings and pivoted to online platforms. And I'm so proud of our staff here at Nova and my pastor friends all over the world who've been leading their congregations through these challenging times. We've also learned that the church is not a building or an event. The church is not canceled. The church continues to gather to worship the living God. And God does not exist in buildings or events. The church is people. And Jesus builds the church. And the gates of hell will not prevail. The other thing we've learned that our method of worship gatherings may be different. But God and his mission for his people is the same. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8 It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And Christians here today and all over the world are celebrating that Jesus Christ literally and physically rose from the dead. We believe in that. We embrace that in the implications of that historical fact. Well, do you really believe that this happened? Now, I'm just assuming that there's some out there watching this today that's not quite sure if the resurrection of Jesus Christ really happened. But there's a lot at stake here because the resu- if the resurrection is true, if it literally happened, then it's all true. And if it didn't happen, then none of it's true. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 17 and 19 says this, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. One of the unique aspects of Christianity is that it can be traced back to a historical reality. You know, there's an empty tomb in Israel today that attests to that historical reality. And there are eyewitness accounts of hundreds of people who saw Jesus alive after he was crucified. And these initial witnesses spent the rest of their lives proclaiming that they saw the risen Christ. But many also refused to deny what they saw, and they were murdered for their belief. The most important question today for you and for me is this. Do you believe this? We're going to take a look at our text today. If you want to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 24, we're going to begin in verse 1 and go to verse 12. Now, the setting is three days after Jesus has been murdered. His body has been taken down from the cross, and he has been wrapped in strips of cloth and laid in a tomb. Verse 1 says this, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, 
the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then they remembered his words. And when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. Now, by the way, this is very important that they list the names here. Now, why is that? It's sort of like a factual footnote in the early church. If someone really wanted to know, they would just say, oh, just go ask Joanna what she saw. Verse 11 says this, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. And if you're here today and you're having a hard time believing that a dead man came back to life, you're not alone. Jesus' own friends did not believe. In verse 12 it says, Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb, and bending over, he saw the strips of linen lined by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. In just a few days, the followers of Jesus experienced life-shattering circumstances. Now, it's similar to what's going on today with us. We have all felt this air of uncertainty over the last month. We have all felt the anxiety and concern for the future with people that I love and in my work and my basic needs and necessities. And we've all had this sense of insecurity because of the frequent changes, sometimes daily, certainly sometimes even hourly changes. And here we are today, Easter 2020. No one is wearing their Easter Sunday best, at, at least I don't think you are. And friends and family are not getting together later for a holiday dinner and there's really probably not going to be big Easter egg hunts, and crowds of people are not filling church buildings, singing songs of praise together. And as I think about the historical context of Luke chapter 24, the followers of Jesus were not expecting to witness Jesus arrested, put on trial, found guilty, and nailed to a cross. And they were scared, and they were worried, and they were defeated, like some of you feel today. But God is in ultimate control, and he has a plan. So let's take a look a little bit later in Luke chapter 24 and verse 36. Verse 36 says, while they, and these were the followers of Jesus, were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. And they were startled and frightened, thinking that they saw a ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do, you, why do doubts rise in your minds? just like some of you are feeling right now, kind of doubtful. In verse 39, it says, Jesus says, Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? Now this has got to be one of the most random moments in the Bible. 
Jesus says, I've been dead for three days. Does anyone have a slice of pizza or Chick-fil-A or a protein bar or something? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, it says in verse 42. And he took it and ate it in their presence. Now this was a great moment, as awkward as it was. They were thinking, he's not a ghost, he really is alive. He's eating a piece of fish. For thousands of years, people have taken the historical fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and made up their own stories about it. Many people choose to believe it and say it was a mistake or a metaphor. The real problem with saying that the resurrection was a mistake or a metaphor is that something did happen back then. From the first Easter, something happened because shortly after that, a group of people gathered together to form the first church community. They were different people, Jews and Greeks and slaves and free and male and female and rich and poor. They didn't gather just for a metaphor. They certainly did not sacrifice property and homes and bank accounts and jobs and families and reputation for a metaphor. And they did not go to their deaths by the thousands because they believed that they would one day be metaphorically resurrected. They believed that this really happened, that Christ is risen. The first church's message was not based on the moral example of Jesus or even on the teaching of Jesus, as great as it was, but it was on the resurrection of Jesus, and they couldn't keep quiet about it. The apostle Peter, in Acts chapter 2, said, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we're all witnesses of it. Another important question to ask today is, if I believe that Jesus rose from the dead, so what? What difference does it make that a man named Jesus Christ was murdered on the cross and three days later was resurrected from the dead? I think it makes a lot of difference. There are two things that cause us sort of to be stuck in life, two things that are barriers to living the life God wants us to live. And the first is fear, fear of the future. What's the future going to look like? And many of you are asking this question. What's my job, my career going to look like? Maybe you're unemployed right now. You got laid off or or you got furloughed. Or maybe your health. What's the future going to look like for my health as I get older and I get more vulnerable? What's going to happen? Or your finances. Maybe your your housing or your bills or your student loans. And, And students, What's going to look like for you to go back to school? And I know many of you, your graduation ceremonies got canceled. And what about sports? And what about the arts like dance and music and fine arts? And what about relationships? What about my family and my friends? What about connecting with loved ones? What about if I'm single? What about what's dating going to be about? And some just want life to return to normal again. And it probably won't. Well, we'll be okay but we just have to adjust to a new normal. And that's why people gather in groups to worship together, to love one another, to encourage each other and pray for each other and share in a common mission. It's the church and it's not a building or it's not a weekend event, it's people. The first barrier is fear, fear of the future. And the second is guilt, guilt from the past. Now, you've done some things that you're ashamed of, You'd rather not think about them right now on an Easter Sunday. And many of you have had time to think about your life recently. You've had time to think about your eternity. And many of you feel the weight of guilt on your life. And this is the message of the resurrection. If Jesus is risen, there is hope for your future. And I don't need to tell you that we live in an uncertain world because you're really feeling it right now. And while I think that doubt and anxiety and worry are just part of life, 
I don't think they, they have to paralyze you. The focus is not how can I fear less, but the focus is how can I trust in God more? Next Sunday, we're gonna start a new sermon series where we're gonna look into the scriptures and learn from situations and circumstances of historical disruptions that cause people to look to and to trust God. The followers of Jesus witnessed their leader die on a cross and all their hopes for the future were crushed. But if Jesus walked out of the tomb, it changes everything. The impossible is now possible. He could resurrect our dead relationships and our dreams that we thought were dead. He can resurrect those. He could resurrect our courage so that we could face our fears and our anxieties head on. You see, if Jesus is risen, there is hope for your future and there is forgiveness for your past. This is important because for some of you, maybe it's been a really long time since you thought about God. And maybe for the last four weeks, you've been really shaken. Now, I think that some of you are paralyzed with the guilt of your past and you're consumed with the thought that you messed up. Welcome to the human race. All of us have messed up really bad. Maybe you messed up royally as a parent or kids. Maybe you lied to your parents in the last few days. Some of you have lost your temper in a way that's embarrassed you and, and embarrassed those that you love. Or maybe you've handled your finances poorly and you're racked in debt. Or maybe you're battling an addiction and you know in your heart that it's not gonna end well. Now, regardless of what you believe, I know that all of us have a sense that there's something broken in us. Regardless of what you believe, we all come up with methods or options to deal with our brokenness. One of the first methods that is popular today is a good enough method. You believe that there is a God or there is a higher power, and the way you get to heaven is you just have to be good enough. And so you have to go to church enough or you have to give to charity enough. You have to pray or meditate enough. You have to volunteer enough just to get to heaven. And you're trying to do more good things than bad things. And you hope that one day that higher power is going to grade you on this sort of celestial curve and, and you make it in because you're just good enough. Now, if this is you, I know you're not feeling saved. You're feeling exhausted. Now, you're exhausted because you wonder, am I really good enough? And how good is good enough anyways? Another method is, we'll call it the comparison method. You believe in God and you believe in heaven, but you think the way it works is you have to be better than some other people. And this is why you're so judgmental. Because you have to be, because when you judge others, it sort of increases your chances of getting in. And people work this method, who work this method, have created a list of sins that they've deemed are the really bad sins, the ones that really make God mad. And those are the sins that you don't struggle with. And so you're not perfect, but you haven't done any of those big sins. And you personally know people who are making God really mad by violating the sins on that list. You know, it's amazing how, as human beings, we're all set up for self-deception. And we tend to think that we're a lot better than we are. And the media does this, and video certainly does it, and social media really gets us, sets us up for self-deception. Before this sermon was recorded, I went to the restroom and I looked in the mirror and I got myself all set and made sure everything was right. But I know that after this filming, I'll look at this video and I'll ask myself, wow, do I really look like that? Do I really sound like that? I should have stood up a little straighter. And my big question is, does my face really look that big all the time? 
You know, when I look in the mirror, I thought I was ready because I do a lot of self-editing. Well, the Bible doesn't teach us that ready people or good people or perfect people go to heaven. The Bible teaches us that forgiven people go to heaven. So there's the good enough method and there's a comparison method, but this one, the grace method, is the one that we need to camp on. The grace method is this. I can't live a perfect life, and you can't either. But Jesus did. And when he went to the cross, he died a spiritual death that we could not die. And he paid a moral debt that you and I could not pay. So now, being loved and being forgiven and given a second chance is a free gift. And that gift is called grace. I'm still imperfect. Every person in the Nova Church family is imperfect. But we're growing. We're growing step by step. In Romans chapter 5, Verses 6 and 8, it says this, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Some people think that they have to have it all together before they come to Jesus. No, it's not that way. No, it says that scripture says, While we were still sinners, Do you believe this? Because one little sincere yes could change your life. This is, if there was a final exam, this is the only question on God's final exam. He's not going to ask you if you're good enough or if you're better than others. He's going to ask you, do you trust me? Do you believe that I died on a cross and three days later rose from the dead? In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And my prayer for you all week has been that God would be tugging on your heart towards belief and towards hope and towards faith and towards next steps. I have one last question, the one we started with. Do you believe this? You see, I'm not here trying to manipulate you. We love you. And we welcome you whether you believe or not. We're just glad you joined us. But do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross and three days later rose from the dead, proving he is God, defeating the power of death and sin? You know, if you believe that, I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. And if you want to affirm your belief in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I'm going to pray this prayer of invitation. It's up here on the screen right now. Let's just pray together. Dear God, as much as I know right now, I'm putting my faith in Jesus. I believe that he died on a cross and rose from the dead three days later. Jesus defeated the power of death and the power of my sin in my life. I realize that I'm broken and that I need a savior. I trust in Jesus Christ as my savior. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, or if you prayed a prayer just like that a week ago or a day ago or years ago, a miracle has taken place in your life. The Bible says that you are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. What I want you to do right now is, with all sincerity, do what we practiced at the beginning of this sermon with the Easter greeting of the early church. If you sincerely and honestly believe that Jesus rose from the dead, 
Would you affirm that with me? Go ahead and say it and say it loud. He is risen. He is risen indeed.